Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who builds a house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person who built a house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. At the first light of day, a wooden dragon came running over the back of the sea. The dragon's head was shaped like a crescent moon. That fearsome countenance rose and fell with every wave. Thirty Vikings rode their dragon ship toward shore, ready to plunder what they could carry and burn the rest. Before the Viking ship could reach land, another ship sailed into view. It had been hiding among the rock formations offshore. The new ship towered above the dragon boat. At the intersection of sky and sea, its black flag was emblazoned with a white skull and crossbones. The pirate ship was less maneuverable, but it had the distinct advantage of heavy guns. The pirates howled like wolves as their cannons roared to life. Smoke from the ignited gunpowder rolled over the sea and the Viking ship was smashed to kindling. Before the pirates could celebrate their victory, enormous tentacles rose from the depth of the sea. The tentacles were curled like fiddleheads, but soon they spiraled over the hull of the pirate ship. In the blink of an eye, the ship was pulled beneath the waves. A woman sat atop the dunes. A steady breeze tugged at the brim of her yellow rain hat and the tall beach grass that surrounded her. She had watched the Viking raiders approach. She had watched the pirates. She had seen the deadly kraken. She had watched it all without a flicker of surprise. She knew the world was a dangerous place. All of her neighbors knew it too. Those who live by the sea are accustomed to powers greater than themselves. The woman waited a moment longer. When no other danger appeared offshore, she rose to her feet and brushed the sand from her woolen pants. 
The tide was getting low. Still atop the dune, but standing now, the woman turned toward her village. She could see her neighbors climbing the dune toward her. They carried plastic shovels and small, bright colored buckets. Just as they did every seven days, the villagers were about to gather along the beach. As they reached the top of the dune, the villagers nodded at their strange neighbor in the yellow hat. Some of them smiled and said good morning. But the woman felt disconnected from those who lived nearby. She stood there watching as they all descended onto the beach. The villagers talked easily amongst themselves. Children raced back and forth between the legs of their parents. Adolescents showed their bravado by jumping from the dune. Without haste, the cavalcade made its way toward the waves. Because the tide was low, there was a wide strip of dark, wet sand along the edge of the sea. Here, the villagers stopped. They filled their buckets with wet sand. One by one, the buckets were inverted. The wet sand held the shape of the buckets. These columns of sand became miniature guard towers along the beach. People carved windows and parapets into the sand. Sometimes people would stick twigs or shells or feathers into them. A splendid heraldry of found objects. The towers were then connected by a wall of wet sand, padded into place by hand and smoothed with careful strokes. As the villagers built their small line of defense against the fathomless dangers of the sea, the woman in the yellow hat made her way to the top of a rocky parapet that rose above the dunes. From this dramatic elevation, she addressed her neighbors below. She said, it feels like you're doing something, but you're not. Every week, you come out here and you build sand castles. You're just rearranging the sand. What you're doing doesn't protect you. It doesn't make you safer. It doesn't make life more predictable. This morning, the ocean carried Viking raiders right here to our shore. I heard pirates howl like wolves of the sea, and I saw the grasping tentacles of a giant kraken. Do you think a sandcastle will keep you safe? The villagers were startled to hear their eccentric neighbor shouting at them from atop the sandstone cliff. One villager, a man in his 50s, looked up so quickly that he lost his balance. He took a step trying to right himself, and his foot collided with one of the towers. The commotion drew everyone's eyes. They saw the ruined tower, now just a clump of sand against his foot. The woman shouted, what we need is a real castle. We need walls that will endure. We need... She was unable to finish her sentence. The sandstone gave way beneath her. She tumbled down the dune and onto the beach. Just then, the pincher of a giant crustacean emerged from the sea. It swiveled overhead like a construction crane. The chitinous claw grabbed the woman in the yellow hat and pulled her away into the mysterious depths of the perilous ocean. The villagers watched this happen without a flicker of surprise. They knew the world was a dangerous place. 
those who live by the sea are accustomed to forces more powerful than themselves. Although her speech was incomplete, the woman had made an impression on her neighbors. They couldn't deny the truth of her words. A sand castle could not endure one careless step. It certainly would never stop giant crustaceans, kraken, human raiders, or sharknadoes. When someone said, she's right, there was a murmur of agreement. Someone else called, we should build a real castle. But the villagers were unschooled in the masonry of large-scale fortifications. They weren't sure how it was done. They looked around for ideas. They looked around for someone who might possess the necessary skills. After an awkward silence, one of the villagers called, we could make it out of sand. People cheered at the brilliance of this idea. Everyone started to fill their buckets. Maybe it's impossible for us to build the changes we need with the tools we already have. And yet we keep trying. As a society, we're convinced that the tools of empire are the best tools that money can buy. The tools of empire have dominated the globe for so long, it's hard to imagine anything better. If we really, really want to get something done, we use the tools of violence. We use the tools of hierarchy to make sure the right people are in charge. We use shame to impose silence on the voices that we don't want to hear. We issue ultimatums. We make sure that the victims know that they are to blame. The tools of empire will never, never build the kingdom of God. Jesus tried to teach us this when Peter drew his sword and severed the ear of Malchus. Do you remember this story? A detachment of soldiers was sent to arrest Jesus. Malchus was in the crowd. He was a servant of the high priest. When Peter struck, his sword severed the ear of this particular servant. Maybe that wounded ear is a sign. When the followers of Jesus strike a blow, we make it harder for people to hear. And there's a good chance that those who receive the blow will be servants. Those without power are the ones who suffer. This point was so important to Jesus that he interrupted his own arrest in order to rebuke his servant. That is not how we're going to do it. According to Luke, Jesus even took time to heal the injured Malchus. Jesus was intimately familiar with the tools of empire. That's how he died. He was seized by soldiers, disowned by the religious hierarchy, thrown into prison, and executed as a threat to social order. Believing in Jesus means that we believe the tools of empire did not get the last word in this story. Although he wasn't more violent, Jesus was more powerful. Although he wasn't better at shaming his opponents, Jesus was more powerful. If we want to build something new, 
and we need new tools. Which of our tools are made out of sand? Which tools are we led to abandon in order to make room for something new in our lives? And what are the tools that herald the bedrock of something new?